Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Despite our best efforts and attention to potential strokes in the emergency department, approximately 9% of stroke patients have an initial misdiagnosis. Most often, those patients who are discharged are diagnosed with a more benign condition, such as headache. And although certainly most headaches seen in the emergency department are not associated with cerebrovascular emergencies, reducing misdiagnosis of the small percentage associated with headache would be desirable. Today we are discussing new research in AEM entitled Cerebrovascular Disease Hospitalizations Following Emergency Department Headache Visits, a Nested Case Control Study. We have first author Dr. Ava Lieberman here with us to discuss it. Dr. Lieberman is a practicing vascular neurologist at Weill Cornell Medicine engaged in clinical research focused on diagnostic safety and stroke, and we are thrilled to have her with us today. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Lieberman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on to discuss your paper. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start with a little background. In the introduction to your paper, you note that the initial misdiagnosis of stroke occurs in the emergency department in approximately 9% of stroke patients and that these patients who are misdiagnosed as false negative stroke patients and then discharged from the ED are often diagnosed with these benign neurological conditions, wrongly, uh, most frequently headache. So first, what was previously known about characteristics of those patients who are misdiagnosed at their initial ED visit? What was known before your paper? Yeah, sure. No, um, thank you. It's, um, I think it's very helpful to divide false negative stroke patients into those that are admitted from the ED to the hospital and then those versus those that are sent home directly. Um, and among patients who are sent home, um, typically they have minor symptoms and fewer comorbidities than patients who are admitted sort of broadly speaking. Um, in this study, I focused specifically on patients who were seen in the ED and then discharged to home, not admitted. So a very specific group of uh, potentially false negative stroke patients. Um, and compared to correctly diagnosed stroke patients, patients who are sent home from the ED and then subsequently found to have um, likely have had a stroke or other cerebrovascular event at that index visit um, are younger, um, less often uh, white, and more often female than typical stroke patients. Um, and compared to patients with headache, which is sort of the, the group that I focused on in this study, um, there are a couple of features that have previously been associated with increased risk of stroke misdiagnosis at index ED visit in the headache group. Mm -hmm. um, and those comorbidities include um, advanced age, male sex, and non-Hispanic um, uh, white race ethnicity. So, so a little bit of different when you think about the population you're comparing to. Um, those are sort of the, somewhat what was known before. Um, interestingly, uh, just in, in this sort of space, um, I and some others have found that patients with a potential missed stroke diagnosis at their index ED visit who are sent home um, are actually more likely than patients with other kind of nonspecific neurological complaints like dizziness, headache, numbness, and tingling to have a head CT at that first index ED visit, uh, which is kind of a little bit counterintuitive. So, so that is to say, comparing patients um, with nonspecific neurological symptoms, all of whom are sent home from the ED, 
the subgroup of patients who come back shortly thereafter with a cerebrovascular event um, actually are more likely to have had a head CT at that first ED visit. Um, and so I think there is this sort of interesting idea that there's a false reassurance that comes from having a head CT sometimes in people where mm-hmm. we suspect there's something neurological going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the other sort of features that is known about these false negatives. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's where the space is. It's a, it's a, you know, patients who are sent home from the ED are really tough to study because they can come back to, to a variety of different institutions. And so, you know, you really need multi-institutional data to follow these patients. So there's there's actually quite a dearth of information known um, about these folks. Yeah. So we'll get into ways that, um, that you yeah. attempted to do that. So what questions did you set out to answer in this study? Yeah. So um, we set out to ask uh, the question of using um, actually detailed electronic medical record data can we identify any opportunities to reduce stroke risk in this really very small subgroup of ED patients with headache complaints um, who are at risk of a subsequent stroke, either you know, by improving diagnostic strategies in the emergency setting or, or otherwise? Um, and then I was sort of secondarily interested in this question that, that we alluded to in the, the first point, which is, um, are there any clinical features associated with subsequent stroke hospitalization among patients with, who present with headache? All right. So tell us about your study design and your methods. Yeah. So the design of the study is interesting. It's a nested case control study. Um, And we first identified a cohort of sort of all ED patients with um, a headache discharge diagnosis um, at uh, Hopkins Medical Center, which is uh, four separate uh, emergency departments. And then using administrative claims data, we looked to see who came back um, within a year of that ED visit with a stroke hospitalization, so who, who was hospitalized for stroke subsequent to their to that ED visit. Um, and then once we did that, we compared the subgroup of patients with a subsequent stroke visit um, to an age-matched group of just the regular headache patients, so the patients who had been seen in the ED, diagnosed with a headache, and sent home, um, matched for age to those cases, the patients with a stroke. Um, and the patients who didn't have a subsequent stroke were our controls. Um, and then we looked via chart review for differences in the clinical characteristics and also some markers of um, diagnostic process between those two groups using just the ED records. Um, hopefully that made sense. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> so to identify the hospitalized patients in this cohort, you used the CRISP, CRISP regional health information exchange. So this is getting back to this point about it being difficult to follow um, ED discharged patients up. Tell us about CRISP. Yeah, CRISP is uh, is really cool. And actually, the reason I did this study at Hopkins, even though uh, I, I'm based in New York, um, it's a nonprofit organization that helps um, electronic transfer of clinical information between different health systems. Um, currently, it includes about 48 different hospitals um, all, of, all of the Hopkins ones and then other hospitals that are located in Maryland, uh, all, sorry, all the other hospitals are located in Maryland, and then adjacent hospitals in Pennsylvania, Delaware, Northern Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Um, and it imports information from Epic and Cerner and, and other electronic medical record systems from all of these hospitals. Um, so it's a really useful tool, you know, both for patients and for providers to um, track patients who, who present to different um, institutions, which we know, you know, happens a lot, uh, particularly in, in kind of 
urban Northeast centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the major advantage, you know, as, as we alluded to, is that um, we found actually in this study when we looked at trying to identify patients with a subsequent uh, cerebrovascular disease hospitalization, that actually 44%, almost half of the patients who had an ED treatment headache visit, who had a subsequent cerebrovascular disease hospitalization, were seen at a different center than their initial ED visit, mm-hmm. which has been called hospital crossover. So almost half of the patients who were sent home from the ED with a headache diagnosis and had a stroke thereafter had their stroke um, at a different center, which is you know interesting. Hmm. Yeah, very. So uh, what types of subsequent cerebrovascular admission diagnoses were you searching for? Yeah, so we looked for we did sort of a broad look. We did ischemic stroke, hemorrhagic stroke, TIA, and subarachnoid hemorrhage. Um, it's really important to note that we only included patients who were hospitalized for these events, um, not seen in the ED. Uh, again, not not seen um, in uh, in the outpatient setting. Um, and this is sort of a useful marker of disease severity um, because you know typically you don't hospitalize patients who are who are doing just fine. Um, so we only looked at inpatient hospitalizations for these um, diagnoses. And you were looking for those admissions within, of those diagnoses within one year of their ED visit? Yeah, okay. that's correct. So I can understand presuming the ED misdiagnosed someone with a benign headache on an initial visit if the patient returns within you know a few days with a stroke or a subarachnoid hemorrhage. But how about the patient who's diagnosed with a benign headache at an ED visit and then comes back like nine months later and is hospitalized then with a TIA or a stroke? Is that is that considered a misdiagnosis on the part of the ED in the initial visit like nine months ago? Like how should we be framing our thoughts around that in terms of this study? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think um, it's really important to disambiguate two kind of different things. Um, so yeah, like, no, right. Like if a patient comes back nine months later, it's sort of hard, <laughs> it's sort of hard to say, like, uh, to blame that index ED visit. But I think, you know, I was looking both for patients who had possible instances of misdiagnosis. Um, and those, you know, I would think would come back within maybe 30 to 90 days, just given the, what we know about temporal patterns of a TIA minor stroke. But then I was also looking for patients who, where there might be potential opportunities to improve stroke prevention. And, you know, thinking about stroke prevention on a year kind of basis is, is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the study was looking both to identify features of failed diagnostic processes, but also to identify features of headache patients um, that would predispose or, or sort of led to increased stroke risk over the next year. And thinking of that emergency department visit as perhaps an opportunity to introduce uh, stroke prevention strategies. Mm. Um, so it was sort of a, a sort of a dual focus, though, you know, from a patient safety standpoint, both improving stroke diagnosis and um, thinking about strategies to reduce subsequent stroke hospitalizations are, are very closely related. So, um, so yeah, of course, I don't want to, um, I don't want emergency uh, medicine physicians to feel like, oh, the stroke neurologist is telling me, you know, a stroke 12 months ago is, is my problem. Uh, certainly not, but I think it's really thinking about, um, you know, where are there opportunities for, for these patients? Um, and, and I should add, we did do a subgroup analysis, to your point, um, looking specifically at patients who were hospitalized within 30 days of their index ED visit for stroke um, and compared those patients to patients who had a stroke hospitalization much further out. So, you know, a- after 30 days 
And we actually didn't see very many differences in diagnostic process between the two, um, suggesting that, um, you know, we, we didn't find much from a misdiagnosis standpoint for either uh, subgroup of patients, which, which I think we'll talk about in some of the next um, questions, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about another element of the study, which is where you were looking at the documentation done by the ED physician on their initial visit for headache. So what elements were you looking for? Uh, and tell us more about what you found about this. Yeah, so I was interested, you know, sort of in um, some diagnostic process issues. So, you know, who was consulted, uh, who saw the patient, when were they seen, um, what sort of imaging studies were obtained, you know, for sort of all the headache patients. And, and I should note that all of the data abstraction that was done was done blinded to the outcome. So we just had a whole bunch of headache, you know, headache visits that resulted in a discharge to home. We were, we were looking through the records without knowing, you know, obviously who, who had a subsequent stroke hospitalization and, and who did not. Um, mm-hmm. And then specifically for the ED physician documentation, um, I wanted to try to figure out how to judge um, chart quality. And so I pre-specified two kind of key elements um, from a documentation standpoint for these headache patients by the physicians. And um, one was um, headache chief characteristic component, chief complaint components. So um, headache onset, um, pain quality, triggers, and then associated headache features. And then a neurological exam and sort of different components of it were things that I looked for as well. And I defined a chart that lacked either uh, headache chief complaints data or uh, failed to document more than one neurological exam component um, <laughs> as missing. So I defined those charts were as being like sort of lacking enough information to really get a sense of what exactly was going on. Um, because chart missingness has been associated with increased risk of uh, sort of diagnostic error, but sort of generally low quality. Um, and uh, I didn't want to confound the data by sort of trying to figure out what's going on in a, in a chart where you just, there's not enough information. Um, so that's uh, what I looked for. I like the word missingness. That's Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's, let's talk about your results. So you identified a total of 9,157 ED headache visits um, at Johns Hopkins in this, uh, this cohort during the study period. And so the average age was 42 years and 67.5% of them were women. So how many of them were hospitalized within a year for TIA, stroke, subarachnoid hemorrhage, or intracerebral hemorrhage? And, and how, many, how many with shorter timeframes, like within 72 hours or a couple of weeks? Yeah, great question. So there were um, just only 57 patients um, who had a confirmed ED treat and release visit from the ED had a subsequent stroke or cerebrovascular disease hospitalization, um, so 0.6%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within those shorter time frames, within 30 days was 11 patients, and within 72 hours was just two patients. Um, okay. And so, you know, the bulk of patients were, were early earlier on within 90 days, but um, in that very short time frame, um, fewer. Okay. I find that a tiny bit reassuring, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, this is these are very much, you know, it, broadly speaking, right, um, the the majority, the vast, vast majority of headache patients sent home from the ED, um, you know, are not missed strokes, right? This is a this is a very small uh, um, subset of patients, and prior studies have have shown, uh, you know, 
using this sort of model of looking forward in time. So looking at all the headache patients and seeing kind of what happens to them, mm-hmm. you know, all numbers are, are less than 1% of patients. Now, there, there are a whole lot of headache patients seen in, in the emergency setting. Um, so it's, it's, the numbers can get bigger, you know, the more, the more you think about how many headache patients there are, but the absolute percentages are, are low. Okay. That makes sense. Yes, no, totally. So, um, all right. So, tell us more about your findings about these patients who were later hospitalized. Yeah. So, so I, I sort of thought thought about these patients as cases and sort of using the case control framework. So, um, the cases more often had a history of stroke um, as compared to the control. So, namely, headache patients who who did not have a subsequent stroke hospitalization. Um, they mm-hmm. had a history of neurosurgery, um, and they um, were more likely um, to have more missingness. So they were more likely to have less than uh, uh, two components of the neurological exam documented at their index ED visit. Um, the, the cases were patients who, who were subsequently hospitalized for stroke. Um, I really didn't find uh, very much evidence, as I alluded to before, of misdiagnostic opportunities um, in the cases. Um, I actually used a, a validated chart review tool called Safer Stroke DX, which is a way to kind of think about um, whether or not misdiagnostic opportunities have occurred using a, a sort of formal chart review method um, and applying that to both the cases and controls in a blinded fashion um, didn't uh, show more misdiagnostic opportunities in the cases as compared to the controls. And what insights did you gain about documentation in the initial ED visits? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> to, to put it simply, it's, it's not that good. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, this is not a unique finding of mine. Other studies um, looking at um, diagnosis of um, vertigo have found similarly that documentation is, is poor. And I think, you know, what it, it, it suggests there may be some opportunities to improve neurological examination in the emergency setting. But I think more importantly, it suggests that using the um, electronic medical record documentation to evaluate for um, patient safety, diagnostic safety, and, and sort of care quality is, is probably not the best route to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think is actually a very important insight um, mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about sort of work in this space. Yeah. So uh, what do you think we should take away from this study and what do you think needs to come next? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, practically um, for, for those of us in practice, you know, thinking carefully about headache patients who've had a prior stroke or prior neurosurgical procedures um, uh, is important because um, those factors were associated with an increased risk of subsequent stroke hospitalization in my study. Um, and then, you know, possibly thinking about more detailed neurological examinations in these patients, given the missingness that we found. Um, and then I think methodologically, we, we talked about this problem of using chart review for um, measuring errors. And then I think the other point we alluded to is that, you know, the importance of tracking outcome events in a multi-centered fashion, um, particularly in the emergency medicine context, because patients who are sent home, um, you know, often will go elsewhere in a, in a, in a dense urban setting or even in a, a Northeast setting where they have options uh, or other settings in the United States. So I think, you know, measuring um, care quality on a single institutional level is probably going to underestimate um, adverse events because patients um, go to lots of different centers. Um, so I think those are the, the big takeaways from my standpoint. I'm happy well, for any other questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this study, and we're looking for we're looking forward to seeing more of your work. Oh yeah, thanks so much for having me, and uh, and on behalf of my co-authors as well, really appreciate your interest, and uh, um, yeah, it was, it was fun to do the work. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. The full text of this article is available on our blog at brownemblog.com, open access for a limited time. Check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.